from the high desert in far east west texas this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with at sports tv ratings welcome i'm robert seidman also at sports tv ratings on twitter and for my first podcast i am very pleased to be joined by my longtime friend bill gorman who for seven years or so was also my fellow tv by the numbers co-founder and co-owner Uh, Bill is the inventor of the Renew Cancel Index, which is a pretty cool thing because at the time he invented it, it was based only on publicly available TV ratings data. And I'll let Bill explain uh, the Renew Cancel Index in detail in a minute. Uh, But Bill also created, uh, to go along with that, the Webby Award-winning Anthropomorphic Cancellation Bear, uh, which was the Renew Cancel Index's original mascot. Uh, Bill is still performing the original bear shtick at the slightly less cuddly at TV Grim Reaper on Twitter and TVGrimReaper.com on the web. Bill, welcome to the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Bill, explain what the Renew Cancel Index is, does, and uh, how the cancellation bear and then ultimately at TV Grim Reaper were born out of it. So... In our first year of running TV by the numbers, when we had no idea what we were doing, and we were basically watching numbers go by all year as we posted them on the site, I I began to start thinking about, well, what really goes into the decisions to renew or cancel uh, TV shows? And if you read the TV media, it's, you know, akin to the black arts. It's all very mysterious. It's who do you know? Which shows are good? Which shows are bad? And, And that just didn't make any sense to me. And... Just applying a simple numbers test of taking the average adults 18 to 49 rating for each show and dividing it by the network's overall average 18 to 49 rating, uh, you know, yielded a a list that was pretty easy to sort from the shows that that did the best were getting renewed and the shows at the bottom were getting canceled. And uh, there's been some learning between that time and now. Uh, about a lot of special circumstances, but that same basic uh, analysis still works. Well, I mean, so I think one one thing to note here that is is really pretty cool. So, and you you, you talked about it a little bit, but the, the the way that this stuff was spun in the media was as you know, sort of a mystery, an unsolvable riddle. Uh, so, people who have been working in the business for years on the media side, not inside, obviously. Um, uh, we're not able to crack the code, but there was a code that was able to to be cracked only based on publicly available data. And you invented that. I think that's a pretty cool thing to do. And it wasn't like we, we you know, launched the Gemini 7 into space either. We did division. <laughs> yes. Applied basic, uh, applied basic mathematics uh, is all there was to it. Okay, so uh, tell the story about how the uh, the cancellation bear theme came out of the Renew Cancel Index. So as part of that ranking of TV shows by their ratings relative to others in the same network, um, you know, the realization that you don't have to be the top-rated show in the network, you don't have to be the middle-rated show, you, you, don't even, you can even be a little bit below average. You just can't be the, 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 the lowest, among the lowest rated shows, made me think about the old joke about two guys running away from a bear. One guy stops to put on his running shoes, and the other guy says, what the hell are you doing? You're not going to outrun that bear. And he said to his friend, says to his friend, well, that's okay. I only need to outrun you. 
And that's really the way folks should think about which shows get renewed or canceled um, on, a, on a particular network. You don't have to be the best rated show. You just have to not be among the worst rated shows. Uh, and uh, when, when we uh, sold TV by the numbers to Tribune, unfortunately uh, for, uh, for Bill, the, uh, the, cancel, the, at, the Cancel Bear Twitter feed was part of that sale. And Bill has, is now doing the, the same thing on at TV Grim Reaper, which is a nod at, uh, I think it's Dave Sims at The Atlantic who called you TV's Grim Reaper for making the cancellation predictions. Yes, and that seemed like an, an, a good name to continue on with. So while early and often in the, uh, the TV by the numbers days, I knew you were very critical of the TV media. Uh, I never really thought of you as any kind of media critic, but uh, now that I've been following some media critics, official real-life media critics for a while, uh, I realized I was just a dope for years who, who never realized that the at Cancel Bear Twitter feed was uh, media criticism as performance art and, and brilliantly done. I'm sorry, I, I never really looked at it that way before. Well, I mean, you know, the, the folks that are in the TV media, like, like any trade media, have to, you know, maintain a certain relationship with the rest of the business. So, you know, it, it behooves them to, um, as best they can, you know, say what needs to be said to, to maintain their position. And, you know, I think some of them uh, do that and, you know, tell, you know, spout the network and producer and actor line uh, because they just want to maintain, you know, friendships. And some of them do it because they're too stupid to know otherwise. What, what are your what's your biggest or or if you have several of them uh, that come to mind, what are your biggest beefs with how TV media covers the TV business beyond the access journalism stuff? Well, I think that, that in many cases they perpetuate, you know, fans have ideas about the way things work in the TV business. And a lot of it is wrong, perpetuated by social media. And, and that's completely understandable. If you don't know what's going on, you can't be expected to know what's going on. But when the TV media perpetuates falsehoods about the way things work, it, it you know, bugs me. Social media does not matter. Uh, so Fan chatter does not matter. Um, who, who is who does not matter. The plot of the story does not matter. Um, only, you know, the financial return of the show matters. Right. So, so subjective, subjective opinions on the quality of the show. Uh, you got to throw them out when you're looking at the ratings. Yeah. And, and it, it, Again, it's, it's hard to know whether the TV media does that because they think they need to do that or because they actually, they're stupid enough to actually believe it. Except for, except for uh, Kruppi, I, I don't even bother to read most of them unless their headlines are particularly nonsensical so I can mock them. What, what, what is an example of a, a nonsensical headline that you would, you would be very... Oh, I, I don't know. They all blur together, but you know you know, timeless save because of, you know, fan outrage, which was, this was, that was this spring's, you know, peak nonsense that somehow NBC after canceling the show two days later decided to reverse their decision and renew it because of fan 
input or fan support, which is just patently ridiculous on the face of it. And yet, everyone in the in the TV media just chimes right in. Yeah, that's what happened. I, I don't know that it's in their defense, but uh, NBC and Sony in that situation play the same cards as well. So they they, exactly. they play that angle too because it's a it's a good heartwarming story for the exactly fans. exactly. It's in their interest to make fans feel you know appreciated and worthwhile when in fact it was money right. because it's always money. Yeah, that 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 sort of deal and taken are kind of interesting. Can you can you talk about what you think is is going on and what actually went on in terms of the money there? So so there were th- you know th- three things that happened this spring that that had really had not happened to such an extent in the past. One of them was third party uh, studios were getting squeezed because uh, networks were favoring in house productions. For example, an NBC show produced by NBC, uh, they were favoring in-house productions over third parties, like a show produced by Warner Brothers. And in a couple cases, it was you know, widely reported in the media uh, that Warner Brothers paid NBC $20 million to keep Taken on the air and gave NBC either ownership of the show or participation in the back end, which are the syndication ratings, for the show when it when it, or syndication earnings for the show when it airs off broadcast, and th- there's similar reporting about Taken and or about I'm sorry about Timeless and Sony produced by Sony that NBC canceled the show. It was reported that that time uh, that Sony offered NBC fifteen million dollars to keep the show on the air, and yet NBC still canceled it after that offer. And then two days later, NBC reversed their decision, uh, and there was no, there was no, at, at least credible reporting about what uh, Sony had done to get NBC to reverse their decision. If fifteen million dollars still got the show canceled, it was obviously something worth more than fifteen million dollars to, to NBC to get them to reverse their decision. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, so the. Uh, you 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 toil in the realm of uh, uh, crazy fans, and you you uh, immerse yourself in that a lot more than I do. I mean, from the fan perspective, they should just be happy that the show is on. But how much are how much are timeless fans ragging you, or or did you stop looking? Actually, n- n- not that much. I mean, um, y- you know, I, I get some pushback when I'm wrong. Um, about about predictions which is fine i mean that's the you know that's the that's the the game i'm playing right. but but you know there there isn't there isn't a ton of it um uh i and, and i i mean I, i'm i'm at a loss to explain it i mean i would expect a lot more but you know it's it's whatever i get is fine it's just twitter <laughs> yeah by the way i remember uh i remember back in the Probably the early cancellation bear days. I, I would, I would, I would mock you for spending so much time on Twitter, and you would say it's fun. And now I, I believe I'm probably spending eight times as much time on Twitter as you are. Twitter, I mean Twitter, and the really Twitter is the fun thing. Uh-huh. It is, it is so fun, and the 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 predicting part is just an avenue to be on Twitter. Yeah, that's that's a that's an avenue I understand. I, I hope that the uh, 
I hope that the podcast will will be a good enough way for me to to go about that now that I I don't have the uh, the daily TV ratings data. Um, so I want to I want to talk a little bit about ESPN, but before doing that, um, I, I I think I've told you before. I, I it surprises me, but you know, like ninety five percent. Uh, that it doesn't surprise me that 95% of the visitors to the website or my Twitter or my Twitter followers are men, but what does surprise me is that the the biggest group by far are uh, are men 18 to 34, and uh, so for for the young people, uh, before talking about ESPN, uh, I want to get a get into a little bit about both of our educational backgrounds, and um, Bill Bill got his undergraduate degree in electrical engineering from the University of Virginia, uh, and uh, let there be no doubt. I mean, you're probably wearing navy blue and orange right now. Fair? I'm wearing blue jeans. That's close. But you loved you loved your time in Charlottesville. And it was a great place, and I loved being there, and I love visiting. You're, you're going soon, right? My 35th reunion of my very old man is you, coming up. You are a very old man. Um, so Bill also has a master's in business administration from Harvard. And I, I can remember 10 or 15 years ago having this conversation with you where I had asked you um, if you thought, not from, a, not from a helping you out in terms of opening doors perspective or anything like that, but if you thought that the actual curriculum of the MBA program uh, aided you in in, in the work that you did in your, the actual work you did in your career. And uh, your response to that was something along the lines of you, you weren't sure about the curriculum, but that you had professors that just really opened your eyes uh, to, to the way that the, the business world works. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, as I, as I went to, to, you know, business school, I thought I was, you know, pretty educated, worldly guy. I had this bachelor's degree at the University of Virginia. I worked a couple of years. I think I, I kind of knew, you know, I thought I knew the way the world worked and business and everything. And I think that the two years there just really just expanded my horizons on what, what was possible with your life. I mean, this was in the, the early mid eighties when, you know, not when entrepreneurship was not something that everyone was talking about all the time. I mean, there was no Google, there was no Facebook, there there, there barely was Apple um, computer, and and the, those two years really kind of expanded my idea of what was possible with my life or with anybody's life. Yeah, thanks. I mean, so that always resonated with me. I am, on the contrary to Bill, I uh, I dropped out of George Mason University, and uh, though to quote Paul Simon, ultimately my lack of education didn't hurt me none. Um, Bill's comment made me realize that the how it hurt me was that I lost about ten years. That I lost most of my twenties and early thirties um, because I never had my. I mean, life, life, and and good people ultimately opened my eyes to 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 that way of thinking. But it it took me ten ten years longer than Bill, uh, and so I, I I salute higher education for that because I, I think. Uh, you know, I don't know how to value 10 years, but I, I would put a high value on uh, 10 years. So um, I, I think that's just a good way to think about things. Um, you have a, a very, very good skill at being able uh, to take abstract concepts and, uh, 
and write about them concisely. Uh, I do not have that skill. Uh, did you did you pick that up in high school, undergrad, Harvard, or or were you just always like that? I don't know. I think that was more engineering. I think that was more you know see a problem, solve a problem. Interesting. Somehow engineering. Learning, learning some engineering did not help me in that way. Sometimes when I'm struggling with things uh, of, of how to frame them in fewer words, uh, it's very helpful for me to, to, to talk to Bill. Recently, I, I, was, I was thinking a lot about um, ESPN's uh, cuts and, um, and also like the like, thinking about the likelihood of there be, whether there would be more cuts coming or not. And um, I had a pretty good way of thinking about it, but there was no way in my head to write about it concisely. And uh, Bill, Bill helped give me that way, uh, which was, he said, well, you know, the, the thing of it is, is if they're spending, you know, six times as much money on, on sports rights as studio programming, studio, pro- studio programming costs should probably be looked at. But if it's 10 times or 15 times, uh, you know, as much for sports rights than studio programming, then studio programming is such a small thing as to uh, it, it doesn't even need to be worried about. Um, and, and I think that's a that's a great way to think about it. So fortunately, after after we had that conversation, I listened to uh, to the Eric Jackson podcast, and that's E.R.I.C., uh, episode 57, where he talks a lot about ESPN, and he goes through a lot of numbers, including some of the modeling that he's done. And he came up with, uh, with $1.4 billion in rights fees expense per quarter and $340, uh, excuse me, $340 million in, uh, in non-rights-related studio programming. Uh, so that ratio is about 5 to 1, which, uh, which leads me to believe that uh, there's still a lot of room for cutting and certainly leads Eric Jackson to believe that as well. Any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, ESPN is, and they're the only ones that can figure this out. They have to figure out where they're adding all their value. Like where are they making that seven plus dollars per subscriber per month worth it? Is it live sports? In which case spend your money on live sports. How, How much value do they really add? Um, with live in-studio stuff, I don't know. Maybe it's not a lot. Maybe they could cut there even more. Or maybe uh, you know, doing more taped things that are effectively free once they're produced um, is, is enough after the live sports. So you know, they, you know, they, they, they famously publicly uh, you know, let about 100 people go a month ago and you know, there was a lot written about that, but I'm not sure that really, you know, makes that much of a difference in in their bottom line. Um, I I think I'm I'm pretty sure that it really doesn't. Um, but but uh, we shall see. So the the amount of cuts still remaining that that Eric Jackson forecasted were about 500 million out of the, you know, the 1.4 billion or so of uh, studio program programming expense and that that probably sounds about right to me but uh um 
I am I'm probably more hung up like on how the layoffs are staged because I just think it's a it's an awful thing to go through where you just every quarter or every half a year waiting for the uh, other shoe to drop, uh, and and but Eric is wisely more uh, and you too I'm sure more sanguine about that than I am, uh, and one of the reasons is and and uh, Jackson pointed this out, you know ESPN even still has like a a fifty five percent profit margin. And it's down from 60, but uh, that compares to 18% for ABC, and ABC is a, is a pretty good business. Um, and Jackson, Jackson forecasts that even if, even if cable, cable subscriber losses kept mounting to the point where uh, ESPN wound up with only 50 million households, that ESPN's profit margin would still be as good as ABC's. And, uh, and that's just amazing to think about. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we kind of saw, you know, when we started our business, uh, and I didn't realize, I had no idea about this before we started paying attention to television, that ESPN is by far the most valuable uh, property in the television world. And, uh, you know, how, how much value all of Disney is encapsulated in ESPN. Oh, Absolutely. I forgot to ask you this question earlier when we were talking about the Renew Cancel Index. Uh, Bill, Bill, you've had some uh, very famous, uh, you've had some Twitter beefs with some very famous people, uh, ranging at least th- as far as I know from uh, the original Captain Kirk, William Shatner, to Academy Award-winning actri- actress Kathy Bates. Who's who's your favorite Twitter beef? So it, it, a few years ago, when Kathy Bates was the star of the. NBC show Harry's Law. The first year, ratings were fine. Uh, it was renewed, predicted to be renewed, unremarkable, nobody even talking about it, to, at least to, to me. Um, then in the second season, I'm not sure what happened, but ratings went way down. And it was a pretty simple cancellation prediction. It was either NBC's lowest or second lowest rated show. And um, while you know most shows that are in that position have certain fans that will chirp back and say, oh, no, you're wrong. Look at the total viewership of the show. Kathy Bates, she's an Academy Award winner. It's not going to get canceled. Um, it's fairly rare when the star of the show uh, picks up on that on that prediction and then comes back in both print and video media and says, I don't care what that cancellation bear says. Who is he? He's an idiot. We are getting renewed. And and actually the, the executive producer of the show, Bill D'Elia, um, you know, basically said the same thing. And uh, not that I really ever doubted the prediction, but there was a lot of kind of, you know, personal capital riding on that. And and I remember exactly where I was when you told me uh, that the show had been canceled. Oh, and and I remember you saying, call me as soon as that information is out. (laughs) You you enjoyed that more than, than William Shatner? Yeah, so the, 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 the chatter with Shatner, and, and basically there were two similar Twitter encounters. The first one was um, a couple years ago, I believe it was the CW show <sighs> Starcrossed, or oh, I forget which show it was, but it was pretty clear to me that he, his, he, I mean, he was an overwhelming fan of this show. Um, a, a low-rated show, a show that, that I had predicted would be canceled, it was pretty clear to me that 
he wasn't just a fan on Twitter, that he clearly was being motivated by, you know, I don't, I don't want to necessarily say he was being paid, but there was some other reason that he was such a big fan of this he show. He knew someone on the show or the producer. I don't know what it was. But he, he was overwhelmingly positive about this show uh, in a way that, you know, just being a gee whiz fan of science fiction would not lead you to believe. So I, I put out the opinion that he was getting paid to promote the show on Twitter, and, and he flipped out over that. And, and, of course, the show did get canceled, and, and uh, 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 you know, that was, that was kind of funny. And he, he blocked the cancellation bear, and, you know, he has, you know, two and a half million followers. That was a big win for me because I don't know how many followers the bear had, maybe 30,000 at the time. And so in any Twitter encounter like that, the, the person with the fewer followers always wins because it's, it's free, free publicity. And then this year, um, oh, so so by the way, I didn't know about this year's, but I uh, but but when when Bill says he was he was mad, Shatner Shatner was steaming mad, like like went whining to uh, to the people at Tribune. Uh, we were yes, we, so exactly. So that happened. I don't know if you remember the timing. That encounter with with it was like the two days after we sold. It, it was it was a day after or two days after the transaction closed. And so I'm, I'm still not in the, oh, we don't own this site anymore mode. I'm still in the, you know, Wild West, we're the owners, yeehaw mode. And, you know, when, when you know, Shatner says, well, I'm going to see what I can do about this. I'm like, good luck, buddy. <laughs> and, uh, no, he whined to the Tribune Company. And the Tribune company came back to us, or came back to me, and, and said, like, what the heck did you do? And I'm like, well, I'll, sh- I'll show you exactly what I did. And, you know, you look at all the, the, the conversation. And they just were like, oh, okay, well, just don't do that again. <laughs> and, and I'm fine with that. They, they, they were the owners they're, then. They're, so I, yep. I'm, I wasn't going to do that again. Their product. Okay, what happened this year? So this year, and I'm pretty sure it was, um, I want to say it was, it was over Timeless. And he was, you know, you know chattering about, so, so the, the specific thing, I mean, the, the fact that it was Timeless, and Timeless was a wacky thing this year, at the time was not particularly relevant. But what happened was um, he is online saying, all your tweets and all your hashtags add to timeless TV ratings and which of course is complete nonsense. Well, it and, adds to timeless Twitter TV ratings, which really right. is a thing, right? It's a, use, are, a useless and, thing, and but a thing. And, and so, so he is spreading this misinformation and when faced with evidence like Nielsen announcements of the product that his information was wrong, you know, he flips out and says, well, I've had enough of you and blocked you again, blocked me again. (laughs) So, so that, so that was, that, that was a completely different situation, but also a William Shatner doesn't like to be told he's wrong situation. So different, but similar. (laughs) One thing that was always, was always funny to me with the, with the renew cancel index was how many people just don't get the point of 
how the stuff works. And, and people ask you in earnest, seriously, how can you predict whether a show will be canceled or not when you don't watch the show? How do you respond to that? Uh, you know, just the only way I can and like, and say, why would the content of the show have any basis at all in decisions about the future of the show? It's only about money. It's always about money. And anything else is completely irrelevant. Obviously, it's not relevant to fans. Fans watch the show because they like it, sure. which is completely fine. But, uh, you know, awards and what people think about the show and who's on the show, none of that matters at all. It's only about the, the money. And, 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 you know, one of the things that, that we're kind of, you know, you, you know, I've talked about this before. But uh, it seemed 10 years ago or eight years ago, it seemed simpler. The, the decision process did seem simpler. Uh, the, the, the network still got most of their revenue, almost all their revenue from advertising, uh, sales. And so ratings, publicly available ratings information, really showed a large portion of the revenue for each individual show. Uh, now there are many other things that that are, are now being added in um, retransmission fees to the network. They're now being paid by by cable companies and satellite companies per subscriber. You know, in the same way that that cable channels have always been paid, and that's become an increasing part of their uh, revenue, which takes the load a little bit off of advertising. Also, uh, networks are. are focusing more on making money from the ownership of the shows and where else they can sell them, whether it's internationally or to streaming companies like Netflix and Amazon. And that has put pressure on them to keep their, their own shows on their network. And, and that was something that we saw this spring. Third-party uh, studios like Sony and Warner Brothers uh, had, had a lot more trouble getting their new shows picked up uh, in, in this environment of, well, if, if uh, advertising revenue is going down, we've got to make more money with, uh, with the shows themselves, so we better make it, make it our shows on our network, not somebody else's shows. Right. Um, so so the, the end result is, um, where does that leave you as far as... Um, the index working going forward, that, that methodology. So, so I think there were three things that happened this spring, and I think two of them probably won't be a problem long-term once, once I adjust. Uh, one is, as, as I said, networks favoring their own shows a lot more. If it's just a matter of, hey, you know, network that network's own shows are going to get renewed at 60% of average instead of, 75% for the other guys, for the third parties, that I can adjust for. Uh, another th thing that happened was far fewer new shows were ordered for next fall, which meant that a lot more shows that were low rated were renewed instead of canceled because they needed to fill the schedule. That's another thing I think I can adjust for. If it's a matter of, well, Existing shows are going to get the benefit of the doubt down to you know sixty percent or sixty five percent instead of seventy or seventy five percent of the network's average rating. I think I can figure that out. 
the third thing that happened, and we talked a little bit about this with, with Taken and, and Timeless, was the third-party studios, in, in, in Taken's case, it's a Warner Brothers show, it was reported that Warner Brothers paid NBC $20 million dollars to, to not cancel it and gave up either some ownership of the show or some share of the syndication revenue. Um, there were similar reports about what Sony did to get NBC to change its mind after it canceled Timeless. Those kinds of things, those kind of you know third-party studio conference room deals, I'm never going to be able to anticipate that. And so those are always going to be those are always going to be surprises, and uh, that I'm never going to be able to anticipate that. So, so will you will you just start asterisking all their shows and not predict on them, or will you, no, will you no, try to take no, a crack? No, no. Uh, it doesn't cost me anything to do predictions. So uh, it costs it costs I'm, you. I'm, it co- but and I and I don't even I won't even know to keep it in mind. So what are you going to do? Keep it in mind for every show? <laughs> you know, I, I you never know. Um, you know why was why was Warner Brothers so desperate to keep Taken on the air that they would pay twenty million dollars? No idea. Why was Sony so desperate to do whatever they did to have NBC keep it on the air? I don't know. I mean, we you know Warner Brothers. Other Warner Brothers shows were canceled. Other Sony shows were canceled. So, so I, I think it's important here. Um, so, so you say it doesn't hurt, but the thing that actually does hurt is it, it hurts your. Uh, your, your prediction percentage, which really like for, I, I don't know, I'm just making this number up and you, you can correct it, but like from, from 2010 to last season, you were in the, you were in the nineties, you know, low to mid nineties. Yes. And, yes. So, 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 you know, bounce around between 92 and 94% was pretty typical since the, the first year that, that I, I kind of, have comparable results was 2009-2010 and and this year's final results were, were the worst since that year that year is still worse but you know you you would expect either getting better or staying the same right so we'll see i mean if next year things kind of even out then this year was just a, a one-year blip because of a few things if next year gets worse who knows that's fair so uh, back, back to back to the notion of of uh, of you not needing to watch TV in order to predict renewal and cancellation. Uh, what what TV are you currently watching? So the the television shows I have watched. Yeah, non non live sports. Not live sports, which I watch plenty of. Uh, on ESPN, I watch highly questionable and pardon the interruption uh, almost every day. Uh, and on HBO, I watch Game of Thrones and Silicon Valley, and then I also watch Better Call Saul on A and E. So AMC, AMC, sorry, AMC. AMC. Don't even know what channel it is. <laughs> That's okay. AMC, ESPN, and HBO. That's it. That's the list. That's right. And so you know, if if I was uh, some in some crazy cord cutting scenario where I was the only one in the household. I could probably significantly reduce my programming expense, but with other members of the family, it's not even worth thinking about. Yeah, I, I agree. All right. Well, listen, Bill, I thank you uh, for being on the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with at sports TV ratings. It was fun. Thanks for having me. So a new segment and one that will 
all too sadly, probably be easy to make a regular feature. Uh, but this week, it's DBAP. This week and Don't Be a Putz. This week's DBAP is stealing from Clay Travis to call him and others out for being irresponsible about how they communicate numbers. I got several questions over Memorial Day weekend about deep root analytics data showing that conservative viewers bailed out on ESPN from 2015 to 2016. Uh, I answered all of those questions the same way. Absent data about where those viewers went and how it looked on other non-ESPN networks, it's not even worth thinking about. Goldman Sachs is never going to hire me as a quantitative analyst, but simple presentations of numbers like those from Deep Root Analytics still leave me asking what the numbers mean and whether there's enough data to make anything of it. And uh, based on what Deep Root Analytics uh, put out there in the wild, uh, I definitely did not have enough data to answer what those numbers mean with any kind of context, and neither do you, because you don't know where did where those viewers went and whether it happened on uh, other non-ESPN networks. What if the exact same thing happened on FS1? It might have. We don't know. It was a presidential election year and one of the craziest ever at that. But we do know that if it happened at FS1 and it happened at ESPN, it probably doesn't mean anything that it happened at ESPN. Uh, but we don't know and we can't know based on the data from Deep Root Analytics. I'm not sure whether the presentation of the numbers from Deep Root Analytics and those giving them cover was merely incompetent and irresponsible analysis or whether it was deliberately disingenuous, but I'm sure it doesn't really matter which one it is. Either way, I get to not give a fuck what those putzes think and you get to not give a fuck either. And if you still care, you're a putz. Don't be a putz. Clay Travis, Jason Whitlock, Fox News, and Deep Root Analytics were all putzes this week. DBAP. While I don't have much hope for Fox News or Deep Root Analytics, in a rare, very rare for me, triumph of optimism over experience, I'm still optimistic that Mr. Whitlock and Mr. Travis will see the errors of their ways and strive to be better men, at least when it comes to being responsible with numbers. That's it for this week. All feedback, as always, appreciated. Uh, but you should know, I expected to come out of the gate struggling big time with voice projection, enunciation, mic technique, and interviewing skills. And uh, all that is pretty much as bad as I thought it would be. On top of that, I definitely did not, uh, I did not give scheduling log logistics enough forethought. Uh, so maybe at the end of the next podcast, I'll be able to actually promote who the next guest is. Not so much this week. And on top of that, I really thought figuring out some simple low-cost tech for recording a podcast uh, that worked with my current setup would be the easiest part of any of this. That was hubris. It doesn't bother me that I lack Tony Reale's skill for saying the rascally Russell Westbrook wears an Irish wristwatch, but the tech stuff kind of kicked my ass to the point of frazzling me. I did not expect that. Uh, but at least, and despite the fake news that Google gives very high page rank to, it did not take me 457 steps to get the podcast into Google Play and Apple Podcasts. Uh, many people are saying they can find it already, so hopefully by the time you hear this, you'll be able to search for the podcast uh, in either Google, uh, Google Play or Apple Podcasts just by searching on at Sports TV Ratings. Thanks again to my friend Bill Gorman. You can find him on Twitter uh, on at TV Grim Reaper. That's T-V-G-R-I-M-R-E-A-P-E-R. -E and uh, I'll see you next time on the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. It's PTI Rundown. Higher up the board. Uh, 
Harper Strickland or Tiger Woods DUI? Ooh, I, I got to say Harper Strickland. See, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go Tiger, Tiger Woods DUI. Quick update. Bill was right. Harper Strickland uh, was number one on the, uh, the A block of PTI's rundown on the Tuesday show. And uh, uh, Tiger didn't even make the second spot. He was pushed to three. Uh, they put uh, Mike Trout's injury in the number two spot.